You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. My name is Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for ACB. And I'm Claire, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another podcast. Whether you are listening via your favorite podcast player or if you are listening over ACB radio, as always, we invite everyone to check out more information about ACB at acb.org. And hopefully, if you're not already, become a member of ACB. And that information is available on our website. Do it. All the cool kids are doing it. There you go. A little peer pressure. Just a little. Not, just not a lot. Just a little a bit. A touch. Yeah. Yeah. So today, we are talking Amtrak. Uh, last week, we had Carol Tyson from... I'll call it DREDIF because I can never remember what it stands for, Claire. Disability Rights Education Defense Fund. And if for everyone who listened to the podcast last week, you are aware that Carol Tyson is a co-chair for the Consortium of Disability Consortium of, of Citizens, Citizens with, with Disabilities, disabilities. CCD, Transportation Task Force, along with ACB's own Claire Stanley. That's right. Carol and I are co-chairs with, uh, along with Lee Page from Paralyzed Veterans of America. So, and building off that wide-ranging transportation conversation, which also touched on one of our legislative imperatives for the year: autonomous vehicles. Uh, we thought that we'd dive into a mode of transportation that a lot of people use throughout the country that exists today. And that is rail transit, specifically Amtrak. Amtrak. And I love talking about transportation, not just because I'm the co-chair of the task force, but because I feel like as blind Americans or blind people, period, I'm sure it's the same for others, transportation is so crucial. You know, I remember when my sisters turned 16, they were both excited. They got their licenses and that was, you know, they were off. Um, but for those of us who are blind or visually impaired, it's not necessarily as easy. So transportation is huge. It's what gets us to work. It's what gets us to our friends' houses, um, places of worship, the mall, um, any place we want to go. Um, so transportation is a huge issue. So um, we're going to be talking about Amtrak today, um, but I'm sure in future episodes we'll be talking about all other kinds of forms of transportation. And. Growing up on the East Coast in the Mid-Atlantic, Amtrak was very useful uh, for me, whether that was going from Washington, D.C. or Baltimore to Philadelphia, New York, Richmond, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was an affordable option, may not have been the fastest option, but definitely a quality option that would get me where I needed to be. Yeah, I was just thinking Clark and I, before we started recording, we're talking about when we've taken Amtrak in the past. Um, I used it a lot in college. I went to college right outside of Sacramento and would take it into the Bay a lot to San Francisco or surrounding cities. Um, but a fun a little um, memory popped in my head that when I got my uh, current guide dog um, that I got eight years ago now, um, I was living in Davis at the time. So I took Amtrak into uh, San Francisco to get my, my now current guide dog. So it's kind of a fun memory with Amtrak. So 
And outside of the coast, I don't want anyone to accuse our podcast of having an East Coast or West Coast <laughs> bias. Uh, Amtrak is very useful in the heartland as well, connecting major cities, isn't it? Affordable means of transportation. Exactly, yeah. So, Claire, so you participated in a meeting yesterday. I did. Um, So we're really fortunate, uh, we meeting ACB, the American Council of the Blind, to have a seat at the table um, on a quarterly basis, a quarterly annual basis, um, to participate with persons of all kinds of different responsibilities through Amtrak, uh, where organizations that advocate for the rights of persons with disabilities literally sit around a board table with people who do um, the, the designing and the engineering of the trains, the IT and design of the websites, um, the training for train personnel. So literally every aspect of Amtrak, all those personnel come into the room and sit around the table with us, talk about what they're doing and how things are changing. And we then in turn have the right to bring up issues that persons with disabilities are facing and talk about solutions. So we meet every three months, give or take. Um, We literally have persons of all different disability backgrounds, physical disabilities, mobility disabilities, the deaf and hard of hearing community, and then the blind and visually impaired. So it's great. Um, before he left, Tony Stevens um, was really involved in this um, this uh, group, and now I've uh, been fortunate to participate. And it just offers us this ability to be right there at the table and talk about accessibility for the blind taking Amtrak. And when is the the next meeting, Claire? Um, the next meeting is going to be. We tentatively think it's going to be August first. Um, David Nelson brought up. He's um, the leader of this organization. He brought up very well that even though our next meeting should be in July, we all know in the disability community that July is a very, very, very busy um, time of year with the the his, history and anniversary of the the Americans with Disabilities Act. So we should be meeting instead early August. So if anybody has any issues you want us to bring to that me- next meeting, um, let me know at any time. Send it to our email address at advocacy at acb.org and I can make sure to bring those up at our next meeting. And even before that, we have great direct um, access to David Nelson is his name, um, who runs these meetings. So um, email us if you have any issues we can bring up. And. Claire, let's go through the the whole Amtrak experience. For sure. So if I or any of our listeners wanted to travel by Amtrak, first we'd have to buy a ticket, right? Yep. What sort of accessibility barriers or areas for improvement are we seeing when, I guess, for the, the ticket buying process? For sure. Um, So there are several different ways you can buy your tickets, and I'm sure a lot of our members or listeners are familiar with this, Um, but you can buy your ticket on the website. You can buy your ticket on the app on your smartphone. Um, You can call in their 1-800 number and talk to Julie, which I always love. She's the automated uh, voice (laughs) where you can buy the ticket. Um, Oh, Julie. Oh, good old Julie. Um, So some of the um, accessibility issues we're seeing have to do um, mostly with the um, online, the dot-com version, they were calling it yesterday at the the meeting, or with the application. And I want to do a shout out to some of our members. We have great members who let us know issues right away. So we had a couple of members who came directly to us and said, 
were suddenly seeing issues with the um, the dot com the website issues and they hadn't had as many issues beforehand but now suddenly when you go in and try to enter the uh, the destination or the desired location suddenly people were having a hard time um, and it um, has to do with the design of the website. And so because our members are so active and let us know right away what's going on, I was able to go directly to David Nelson yesterday and say, what's going on? Um, and even though it's kind of frustrating that we are having these issues, I do wanna do a great shout out to Amtrak because they were extremely responsive right away and said, please let us know who we can talk to and get a good description of what's going on. And they're gonna work um, very quickly to try to remedy that problems. So um, although it's frustrating that, you know, we're seeing these glitches with the website, um, they are being really responsive. Um, we're also seeing some inconsistencies between the app that you use on your smartphone um, versus the website that you use. I know I'm your cliche millennial who wants to do everything and more on an app on my smartphone. Um, and we are seeing, unfortunately, some inconsistencies between what you can do on the app versus what you can do on the website versus what you can do if you just call in. Um, for, for instance, um, those of us with any type of disability do get discounts, which I love. Use it, guys. It's awesome. Um, but unfortunately, um, you aren't able to get that discount if you're using uh, the website or the app, um, but you can use it if you call in directly and talk to a live person. So unfortunately, we are seeing some inconsistencies between the different um, different platforms you use. Um, and those, again, were things that we bought, brought directly to the committee yesterday and said, what's going on? We need to make sure that no matter what you know, forum we're using to buy a ticket that it, there's, you know, uniformity across the board. So things like that we're starting to see as well. So Claire, help me understand this a little <laughs> bit better. For sure. So there are some features on the website that are not yet included in the app. Yes. And then there are some features that are being rolled out in the app that are not yet accessible. Yes. Why is that the case? You know, I wish I had a good answer. Um, we had the the IT people talk to us yesterday and they were saying that the way you design a website or an app, there's just different um, hoops you have to jump through and the way it works. So I wish I fully understood. I am not a tech, tech person, I'm not in IT, so there could be all kinds of different elements that I just don't understand. Um, they did tell us as a positive yesterday that if you can't do something on one application, you can do it on another. So for instance, they told us if you can't do it on the app, you can do it on the online version. So you could technically pull up the online version on your smartphone and just do it through Safari or whatever the Android equivalent is. Um, so you can, can technically do um, everything through different platforms. We, of course, we meaning ACB and other advocates, don't want that to be the end all be all. We wanna be able to access everything from whatever platform we can because that's our right as Americans with disabilities. Um, so they are trying to remedy those problems, but unfortunately it is slow rolling. So um, I would encourage you guys to reach out to Amtrak to express um, your your desire and your your want and really your right to have accessibility across all platforms. And if people want to reach out to Amtrak concerning website or app accessibility, mm -hmm. 
is there a preferred way to do that? Um, they did tell us yesterday that if you have any issues with accessibility, you can reach out directly to the 1-800 number. Um, I believe it's 1-800-USA-RAIL. Um, we also have direct access to, again, David Nelson, who's their ADA individual. So if you want to shoot us an email at advocacy at acb.org, I can forward that all on directly to David Nelson um, so he can see the issues you guys have concerns with and you want, uh, you want them to know about. And we'll recap that information again at the end of the podcast, just so it's fresh. Yes. All right. All right. So we have our tickets. Yep. Our bags are packed. Yep. We're leaving, not on a jet plane, on but on Amtrak. a rail train. Yep. <laughs> now we're going to a station. Yes. Now, I have traveled to some pretty big cities and some pretty big, ornate, uh, just beautiful train stations. For sure. Union Station here in D.C., Penn Station in New York. But other stations, eh, not so big. Not so big, yep. Not so, not so popular, not so crowded. Um, Tell us about some of those smaller stations and the the accessibility woes that we're seeing there. Woes, I like that word. Um, so one major issue that we've actually heard directly from you guys, our members, so thank you so much for bringing that up. We've heard them um, in other forums. Um, those of you who came to the legislative seminar brought them up, so thank you. We love hearing from you guys. Um, but one of the main issues is that the smaller stations um, are starting to be what we called unmanned, which means they don't have any Amtrak employees there. Um, so for instance, when I used to take Amtrak a lot in college, um, it was a small station, but it was still a manned station. So I'd go up and buy my ticket and I'd ask the employer, you know, when my train gets here as an ADA accommodation, can you guide me over to the train? Great, right? Super helpful. Well, now because these stations are so small or they just can't afford it, these stations don't have employees anymore. That's really frustrating. I don't know about you guys, we're all different. That makes me really nervous because I want to know where the door is where I get on the train. I wanna know what track I need to go to. Um, even though some of these um, stations are really small, they might, you know, some people say, oh, they only have one track. Well, sometimes they might have two tracks. Um, sometimes they might open one door and not another. Um, you know, some have different types of stairs. So I appreciate when somebody is there to assist me. So um, this is a big issue. We've, <clears throat> excuse me, an issue we've been talking about for a while and ACB is going to continue to talk about because it is a big concern um, for those of us who are blind or visually impaired. And this is an issue that not only affects our members and, and other people with sensory disabilities, but also imagine if you have a mobility disability. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't want to speak for them because we don't have that disability, but I, I'm just assuming that must be very frustrating. So definitely. Um, another thing on that topic, they have talked to Amtrak's credit. They have talked about having volunteers, so not paid employees, but volunteers to be at the stations to help persons with disabilities. I think in theory, that's a great idea. That's awesome. They're trying to brainstorm solutions. So thank you so much, Amtrak, for being willing to kind of try to brainstorm ideas on how we can, you know, get around this this issue. Um, but we're still a little nervous because, you know, unpaid persons, you know, will they be there? What's their training level going to be? Will they be there all the time or only, a, you know, a small percentage of the time? Um, so there are definitely still concerns surrounding that idea. So, um, but that is one solution that's been put out there as well. And in a way, it's 
understandable. These are smaller train stations and smaller towns and communities throughout the country that don't have a lot of traffic. Mm-hmm. So Amtrak's trying to find a way to reduce staffing and reduce costs so that they can remain a viable option to serve these communities. Yeah. I kind of think that as technology advances, like what a cool test case for, oh, I don't know, Amtrak to become IRA free zones. Yes. So that you have somebody on call as needed to assist you to and from the train. It is actually an idea that's been brought up at one of these quarterly meetings. Um, I've talked to Paul Schrader about it before. Um, So our personal little plug here at ACB, we've worked with Ira very closely. Uh, I think that'd be a great idea. And it doesn't just have to stop with Ira. Like so many other groups could do something similar. But yeah, I think that's a a great idea to start to play with and what that might be able to look like. So Yeah, and if there are any other technological solutions out there yeah. not that we are excluding them yeah it's just that be my eyes right. or similar programs i'm sure there's so many other things that you could work with so um right. so kind of on that topic i wanted to bring up too that um one of the great employees from amtrak yesterday was there to talk about training mm-hmm. for frontline staff and there's training in two different ways, and um, hopefully they're going to work together. But there's training for frontline staff. So those are the Amtrak uh, employees who are working directly with the passengers. They kept calling us passengers yesterday, which made me smile. We're not customers or clients, we're passengers. Uh, <laughs> so there's a frontline training for those interacting with the passengers. And then there's also ADA training. So making sure that those who work on the trains or in the stations know how to provide ADA required um, responsibilities. And so that can obviously look like a ton of different things. Um, For instance, if somebody has a mobility disability, um, that training should include how you assist him or her onto the train. Um, But for us specifically in the blind or visually impaired community, um, I tend to think of things like making sure when the train gets there guiding us to the train when we're on the train if we ask where's the restroom they'll they'll show us where it is and it could be so many different things if we need help buying a ticket on a kiosk um, them helping us with the kiosk so really making sure that we have full access to everything um, really really important Um, but that's kind of the training there that i brought up at the meeting yesterday Um, i tied back into the unmanned trains Um, They were really gracious to tell us that in part of their training, the conductors are responsible for looking very carefully at the stations, all stations, but unmanned stations especially, to make sure if they see somebody who looks like they need assistance, um, that they provide it. Now, of course, my concern, and this is just my concern, but conductors have a million different responsibilities and dozens and dozens of passengers getting on and you know a schedule to stick to and those kinds of things so you know when they pop their head out of the door to look for people who might uh, need assistance are they going to see us in a timely manner what's that going to look like Um, so those just were a couple of concerns that I personally brought up and if people have any stories or anecdotal experiences or Um, related issues let us know that's the kind of anecdotal information we want to bring back to Amtrak and similar to Clara in my experience the Amtrak employees whether customer service ticket counter conductors 
are all very friendly and very willing and able to assist their passengers, but they have a lot of competing priorities. They're concerned about the train, the safety of everyone on board, uh, making sure that they can get everyone safely and responsibly on the train, off the train, and to their destination. Um, so it's not that they are unwilling to assist. Uh, it's just that they have, they have a lot going a on. A lot, a lot of things going on for sure. Yeah. So. so, and Claire, the Amtrak has some, I don't want to say potential innovations, but they're certainly planning for the future. Yes, really, really exciting. Um, and the meetings I've been going to, the quarterly meetings over the last um, last year or so, um, they are slowly but surely talking about new designs. Um, for what future trains can look like because you know in industries they're constantly designing new trains and what they're going to look like um a lot of the discussion has to do with um physical designs and what they're going to look like and how big they're going to be and what the seating's going to be etc cetera, etc cetera. um but we bring this up because acb's really been trying hard um, that every time we talk about it that we want to include accessibility features for the blind making sure that the announcements are clear i don't know about you clark but i've taken the train so many times and they say the next station is like i have no idea what you just said um so in these new trains making sure that um they have clear announcements um for people if they have visual signs which i know is kind of a a new thing in the 21st century if they have visual signage that it's put in a big enough font for people with low vision um you know if there's a lot of signage making sure that braille is put out so just really starting to get more creative um, with making sure that um, things are accessible for the blind and visually impaired in these new designs. That's great. And this isn't something that we expect to be rolled out tomorrow, next week, end of the year, but it's more big picture planning for the future. Yeah, very much so. But it's exciting that they're, you know, they're constantly thinking about the future. So uh, Clark brought up, what will we have flying trains? Well, maybe we will. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. um, if you guys have any issues with trains in any way, shape or form, Amtrak, I should say, well, even if you have issues with any other trains, bring them to ACB. We want to know. Um, but specifically with Amtrak, we have a great relationship with David Nelson and the other employees. So shoot us an email and we can definitely bring those issues to them. They want to know. They're very responsive. So let us know the issues you're facing. Yeah, and although our flying trains may not be here by the time of the annual convention in Rochester, if anyone is traveling by Amtrak or for the convention or for any other reason and you have any issues, comments, or concerns, share them with us at advocacy at acb.org and we will be sure to pass those along. One other thing, um, like we talked about, we talked about the training that the staff are going through to know how to accommodate and work with people who are blind or visually impaired. Shoot us emails with those things too. You know, if you think, oh, the, I, I would hope things like sighted guide are included in the training, but oh, I think they should know how to take someone sighted guide safely, or I don't know, insert a million different things here. Let us know that too. We can pass those on as well. And if you don't wanna share with us, you can share your feedback directly with Amtrak. And again, Claire, that was 1-800-USA-RAIL. Correct, yep. 
And if you have any issues in the in the moment, they said that would be the best phone number to call as well. So if you, for instance, if you get to a rail station and the elevator is broken, was an example they gave, just call 1-800-USA-RAIL. Great. And Claire, the next quarterly meeting is August 1st. Correct. Early, early August. Yep. So any feedback you provide to us, Claire will be able to share with Amtrak at that time. So... Everyone, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the ACB Advocacy Update podcast. And like we always say, keep advocating. You've been listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. For more information on the American Council of the Blind, visit us at www.acb.org. Email your questions and comments to advocacy at acb.org.